You are listening to Spun on Me on ESN.FM. Welcome, everybody, to the Spawn of Me podcast. This is episode 73 of our show. I'm your host, Khalif Adams. I'm joined this week and every week with the man, the myth, the legend, the man with the golden arm. I just brought it back to the Shaw Brothers. What? Cicero Holmes. How are you doing, sir? I'm just here so I won't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> Let me find out. I will kick your black ass off the show. I will find I will find subsequent Negroes to put on this show. <laughs> subsequent, uh, often imitated, never duplicated. Always, I am, <laughs> I am the stubby stand. I was going to say, always, I am doing great. Always constipated. What? Yes, always constipated. You full of never, shit. never consummated. Uh, <laughs> 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 anyway, I don't even know what it, you can't. You can't do anything past that. There's no. There's no. Where to go? There's no ceiling for that. For that, that was it. That was it. How are you? you how are you doing? How I'm doing all right, man. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hanging in there. Actually, uh, right. Uh, it's 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 kind of crazy because uh, you know, so everything, all the great things in the world were happening at the same time. Um, right before we started recording, I just killed. Uh, I just ended a stream that I was doing of Elite Dangerous. Uh, so um, big ups to everybody that was watching on the stream. Uh, thanks a lot for uh, for coming and checking that out. And um, my Republican Party's first or I guess second primary in quotes is going on right now. Chris Christie is threatening to eat the, the oh other people that are on the dais. So, uh, I, you know, I'm missing that so we can talk to Bricago. Word, I get it. It's one How of those, are you, man? I'm good. You know what? We had a really good week in in Portland. I'm not gonna lie; it was a lot of fun this week. First of all, like you said, the Republican debate is happening as we speak, uh, as we're recording. So I'm, although I'm extremely happy that we have uh, a, an amazing guest on with us today. I really want to be online on t- on Twitter talking so much shit about all the Republicans right now. But I'm way happier to be here because we have a dope guest and. I saw some cool stuff this week. I saw the, the uh. so there was this really cool, um, uh, what, what should I say? It was a really cool talk that was had uh, by this by this group, this meetup out here that's called Science on Tap. So hmm. basically, they will have random discussions about lots of different scientifical madness in the words of Jay Rudin. Mad scientifical son. Mad scientifical things, um, and this one was about. Um, the world's population and about how sexual reproduction uh, can be mitigated by dealing with and cutting off certain kinds of uh, enzymes. And we went and sat and my wife and I went and sat and watched that and it was nerdy as shit, but it was dope. It was super dope. It was about contraception and world populations and all like genetic, genetic contraception. No, not genetic, but like, since so, so really or cool. a biological con- contraception more about more about hormone hormonal uh, contraception right. and how they're trying how basically how um we have been stagnant in the world of contraception for so long that we haven't looked at different vent you know different vehicles for making that happen both on the mm-hmm. uh male and female side and how you know to a to a certain extent 
you know, I have been a big advocate of like, hey, when are we going to have like the pill for dudes? And, right. and they're saying, you know, to a certain extent, scientifically, it just really makes more sense to, to do it on the women's side of it. But doing it on a less kind of intrusive kind of um, behavioral kind of modification through uh, both the chemicals that they've been using over the past years, you know, the pill and depot and all those other things. But right. kind of doing it at the enzyme level, which was super interesting. It was really, really, really dope. So uh, mm-hmm. shout out to the folks at Science on Tap. That was really awesome. And I hope that folks, if you're in the Pacific Northwest, uh, they do it a lot in <laughs> they do it a lot. They do it a lot in Vancouver yeah. and they do it in uh, Portland. So uh, that's the thing you should be checking out. Hopefully that would be something I would love to see go uh, national. Uh, but it was really fun. It was really cool. Science is dope. Science is good from what I've heard. Science looks good. And science looks good Actually. as well. You know who said that? Who said that? Uh, it, there was this guy. His name was Sheriff Jackson. Oh man, damn! You said you said his it's, name like he like you were a freaking Starbucks barista. That's right, Sheriff. Sheriff, I've got your double uh, latte grande <laughs> negro chino. Yes, negro chino <laughs> with, a, with a, a side of pumpkin cornbread. <laughs> wow Sharif Jackson and our minister of no finance how are you today sir I'm doing fine uh, <laughs> it's definitely not my go to Starbucks order though um, oh okay I wait get, what is your go to Starbucks order you gotta get the venti chai latte man that's pretty much what I get mm-hmm. though I've I've been uh, my, my uh, girlfriend has taught me how to properly order a chai latte with espresso I asked for a dirty a dirty chai latte, which I was not aware yeah. that that's what that meant. I thought that meant that they put alcohol in it or something. So wait, do you do you have to like ask for it, then twerk, and then wait? I have to say like <laughs> dirty. I have to I have to say it a certain way. I either I either have to say it either like that or like I have to say it like uh, old dirty bastard. So I kind of have to. I, I, I gotta I gotta <laughs> kind of switch between those two, but but yeah, man. I need a chai latte. I'm saying yo, venti chai latte with with the two or three shots if you're feeling gangster like uh, me. Oh, wow. that's, 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 that's how you do it. Yeah, it's interesting that when you go into Starbucks and you, then you learn the lingo, so you can like yeah. use the shorthand that they use. So, yeah. so now I'm like, can I have an ice venti quad camera macchiato, please? And oh they're my like, God. I got what you. are you saying? What, what <laughs> exactly? Say? <laughs> exactly. Hike. <laughs> <laughs> word. Word, word, word. Oh, man. So, so, yeah, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, it's it's uh, been a crazy time. Um, just I've had a lot of work to do. Been, been like really busy. I haven't been gaming as much as I'd like to. Um, but, uh, you know, th- things are going good. O- always happy to be here on the show. So, uh, thanks for having me. Word. We are extremely happy to, to have you with us as usual. You are our unofficial, official third chair. So it's always good to have you on the show because you bring dopeness to the show. Thank you. Um, um I, before we, uh, introduce our guest guests, yep. I've got to, I've got to break the fourth wall for a second. Okay. I know no one can see this, but Sharif. Is there a shopping cart directly behind your left shoulder? There is. There is a shopping cart behind my left shoulder. Not because I stole it from somewhere, but because... He is the minister of no finance. But, but it's because my, my bougie levels have risen to the point where my apartment provides 
shopping carts. What are you what? talking about? So if you park in the garage and you get and you got groceries or a bunch of stuff that you bought, you just grab one wow. of their shopping carts and, wow. and, and, and and you bring it in and and then they say, "Please bring it back." For other people, and this car has been here for a few days. Cause I want, I want that <laughs> to be like if they redo lifestyles of the rich and famous. I want that to be one of the things they. It's like Robin Leach here with Sharif Jackson, and he has his shopping cart. It's lovely. <laughs> I want that. Yeah, I want man. that. Hey man, I I feel like after paying your dues by like growing up in a New Jersey apartment and then living in a box in New York, I feel like I can I can flex a little bit. In in the Midwest, you know, I can't be I can't be mad at that because I thought you were going to say that we are so bougie that we don't even we don't even use the shopping carts at the supermarket. We just bring our own. <laughs> that would be awesome. I thought that that was going to be the next thing that you were about to say, and then I was going to be like, "Yo, Reef, you bougie <laughs> shit. That's dope, though." I mean, mad hugs the bull, son. Hey, some, sometimes you got to embrace the bouginess, yeah. man. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, so our right. guest this week. Um, we are super, super happy to have him on because there was a dope, super dope article by our friend Lee Alexander uh, of Offworld fame and fortune. Um, and she, she shared a really amazing piece about our guest's game. Um, and it talks about something that we've kind of touched upon a lot on our shows, you know, racial racial dynamics, especially with a lot of the, the craziness that's been going on in the past forever with black people in America. But specifically, uh, the interactions that we, we see often with uh, racial identity, with racial racial profiling, with with issues with black people and the police and police being not dope when it comes to policing uh, our neighborhoods and our communities and being violent and killing us. So uh, the gentleman who we have on today made an amazing game. The founding member, one of the founding members of Glitch City LA and the creator of, and maybe they won't kill you, Akira Thompson. How are you doing, sir? Hello. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm well. You're having me on this show. It's awesome. I wanted, I wanted to thank you for, for being on because, one, it was really super short notice. And, uh, two, uh, the piece that Lee wrote about your game, um, it, it one, put, put you on my radar again because I remember hearing of your, of your name from Sean Alexander Allen. But knowing that this was a piece that was attached to you even brought that home even more. Um, how have you been since since the piece came out? How 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 are things in general? Uh, really humbled. Like I, uh, uh, much like in the game, you know, I, I had a little bit of anxiety uh, uh, in releasing that, you know, out to the wild. So because uh, you're unsure what the responses are be, but they've been wholly, completely, uh, overwhelmingly positive, and people. It, it it seems like it's doing its job. I should say that's what it mm. seems like right now. Mm. Yeah, it's it, I sat down with it. Um and it's a game that that is 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 a word-based game. It's a, it's a it's a concept like a, a not a point and click, but a, I guess, I guess I'll let you explain exactly what. I'm calling it a uh, well the the version that's online, sure. I'm calling that a twine like. Yes. Uh hmm. but the the real the real version is uh, really like a larp. It's a live action huh. kind of uh, role play. Huh. Okay. Wow. I, that would yeah, even that's, oh my god that's dangerous. after play because after playing the <laughs> yeah because after play after playing the online version which 
was super profound and really spoke to me in a lot of different ways. And we'll kind of go around the table and talk about what we felt once after we played it. Yeah. Um, but but I, I kind of want to go into, you know, what was the impetus for it for you? Uh, what, why was it something that you felt that you needed to make and, and, and talk about its origin? And, and then we'll get into some of some of your origin story as well. OK, cool. Um, so, like, I get to talk about what makes me a superhero. Hell yes. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> What's your origin story? So, um, OK, so the game, uh, I am currently a, a master's student at the uh, University Southern no, I'm sorry. The University of uh, uh, Santa Cruz, okay. University of California, Santa Cruz. I I don't even know where I go to school. <laughs> they should just re- revoke it. They should just kick me out. Um, <clears throat> so UCSC. Yes. Uh, so basically, uh, I came here to study with uh, uh, the game designer, game designer Brenda Romero. Uh, she nice. made this really amazing game called Train. If anyone's sure. familiar with it, if you're not. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically uh, about the banality of evil. You're, you're um, in Germany and you're transferring people on trains and you're not asking any questions to where they're going. You're just kind of like following orders and doing your job. Um, you can probably make some inferrals from that, but not to spoil it, uh, it, it has a surprise twist that really uh, uh, shows you as the player like, whoa what what did i do what's going on here so it's like it 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 showed me you know you have the opportunity to kind of like say something very powerful so on the same day that she showed us this game that she made uh happened to be the day that the grand jury verdict came out um for uh uh, when they decided not to prosecute darren wilson Mm -hmm. um and then so much like everybody else i was kind of watching this uh unfold on twitter and in Facebook, because the media is not really worth much. Um, and on Facebook, uh, I had some friends that I grew up. I grew up in a, in a small town in central Illinois called Peoria. Sure. I went to high schools uh, predominantly white. Um, you know, I would, like there were there was there were black people there, and there was like a black community. But like that's a lot of my friends. You know, I grew up with. I was like the only one of two black kids that they hung out mm. with, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good people, but you know we come at the end of the day. Uh, we still come from kind of a different place. So, so uh, one or two of those people were, were kind of making these comments that seemed to highlight the fact that property damage was happening and belittle the fact that like an 18-year-old kid got killed by you know someone who's supposed to be serving and protecting. Right. Um, and to me, that's uh, deeply troubling. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it was upsetting, but. I also understand that like they didn't have they don't have this context they don't have they don't really get it they don't really understand that they, uh, they don't mean to come from kind of a ignorant place even uh, uh, but it they just don't have the context to draw from it so I wanted to make something that could kind of like expose that and put that on the table that like yeah you say that why don't you just talk this certain way or do this certain thing to the police? But at the end of the day, for a lot of people in America, that doesn't matter. It doesn't, it, it makes no difference right. how you, how you approach it. Like the, the minds already have been made up before you've even been stopped. That's why, you know, we have that phrase like DWB, you know, driving while right. black, it's a thing. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. You get stopped for that. Yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's super, super just heavy. Just always remembering that these are the, kind of undercurrents of, of our existences in, in, in this country and kind of around the planet. Um, so, so see, what do you think about that? Well, you know, I, w- I was thinking about 
um, you know, how I, I played the game and, and my girlfriend played the game who happens to be white. And uh, and just while while she was playing the game, it was it was a definitely it was very interesting to see how she responded to what was going on. And, and while I was playing the game, you know, it made me think back to, um, I guess, both both things. One, the, the experience that I was happening having right then. And then the experience that I had in real life, and you kind of alluded to the fact that that the game is going to be, you know, you got the Twine game that's on the browser, and then the game that is actually uh, uh, that's going to be a LARP, uh, and LARP for those people who are who are not quite nerd. If your nerd level isn't isn't high enough, that's live action role playing game. Um, so if you've ever seen the the video Lightning Bolt, Lightning Bolt, or uh, there <laughs> there was a movie where Paul Rudd. Played, they were LARPing in some Paul Red movie, but I forgot what the name of it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but anyway, um, uh, so um, I actually had a live action role playing experience or, or have had several uh, being a black male um, where I was walking down the street chewing, chewing some gum and uh, was accosted by by a police officer for fitting a profile. And uh, having an underbite or an overbite, as it were, even though I was chewing gum. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, so it's it, 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 it is always interesting um, what what happens. And, and the, you know, what I've found myself doing is um, and maybe this is why black du- black dudes do this all the time anyway is I find myself carrying around when I'm on the street, especially in an area where I'm, you know, I'm not necessarily all that familiar with the surroundings. Um, I find myself carrying a Bluetooth with me at all times. Um, so that way, if something happens, I can immediately call someone I trust. And, and even if, you know, even if I'm not talking to them at that particular moment, they can hear exactly what's going on. That may be the last thing that anybody, you know, the 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 contra, you know, the contradicting uh, story uh, or appraisal of of what transpired um, in my last moments. And you know, unfortunately, as a black male, you know, I constantly have to think that way. Let's let's take one step back um, and let's ask Akira. Akira. <laughs> Let's let's talk a little bit before C goes back into to actually the story about how, what happened when he was playing it or when or when his girlfriend was playing it. If you can give the audience a little bit of a quick rundown of the mechanics of the game and how it actually sure. plays and, yeah, yeah. and how that works. Yeah. Of course, of course. Um so uh the way the game works is is uh you are in your own neighborhood, uh which is uh, uh it's not you're not well off. I I think I phrased it in a digital one. You're not well off, but you're you're not, you know, you make it through day by day. Mm-hmm. Um you're trying your goal is to go to the corner store, pick up some odds and ends, you know, the maybe some milk, butter, cereal, the things everybody needs to get, um, toilet paper, what have you. Uh and as you're walking down the street, uh you face several events that just kind of happen to you. Uh some of them ranging from just uh kind of almost benign microaggression all the way to like you're actually being stopped and frisked by the police. Mm-hmm. Uh, with each of these scenarios, you have two choices. You can either say something or say nothing. 
Um, and then there are ramifications to either choice uh, because there's also uh, a meter for your frustration, which each with each event, depending on your choices, you will accumulate frustration. Um, and then so like let's say you choose to say something, a die is rolled, and then that frustration is counted uh, in kind of like your parlay to see if it was successful or not. Mm. But uh, the way the game works is pretty much if you get anything other than like a one or a two, you really uh, uh, you won't really like the result. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, see, see, you want to continue to go into to, to how that actually worked. So yeah, so I you know I got to I got to play. Um, I you know I played the game uh, for myself, and as you're playing, different scenarios come up, and and your choices are to say something or say nothing, and uh, you know having having lived the life that I've lived. Um, and, and having the experiences that I've had, uh, I generally opted with the mute option, which was to say nothing. Um, you know, I'm, I was laser focused on getting my crunch berries from the from the bodega <laughs> and I was going to get my crunch berries and I was going to bring them home. And there was nothing that was going to stop me from that task, uh, the least of which was my mouth, believe it or not. So, you know, I just I went and I did what I needed to do and I made it home safely. Um, my girlfriend, on the other hand, um, during each event, as one is wont to do. Um, so one of one of the first scenario, one of the first scenarios we encountered was uh, you're walking past a, a car that's idling and its doors are locked. Do you, you know, do you say something or you say nothing? So she said something and she, you know, she just said, hey, your door is locked. Um, and uh, people looked at her strange and, uh, you know, they were they were negative, you know, uh, negative repercussions uh, for doing that. And she went through through the scenarios and in each scenario, she did what she thought would be reasonable. She said something that she thought would be reasonable to say. And, um, you know, when it was all said and done, she was like, she was just upset. She was like, there's nothing you can say. There's nothing I can say that will change the outcome and, and make it positive. And I said, exactly. <laughs> so congratulations. You now understand. And, and it, it was frustrating for her because it was a game, but poignant, because she was like, yeah, all right, I get it. I get it. And she she gets it. But she, you know, only at a only at a surface level, like I guess she guess she can she understands the the message that you were trying to to bring across. But she doesn't think that it's fair. But well, that's that the, the point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. And that's the and that's the point. Um, and, and actually, ironically, um, kind of anecdotally, I was hanging out with some friends. A friend of mine got married uh, this week and we, we went out to celebrate and, and was talking with a girlfriend of mine. Um, and she was talking about how, you know, all this stuff that's going on is just so crazy. And, how you know, how in 2015 this stuff is happening. And I said to her, she happened to be white. And I said to her. This has always been happening. Yeah. These are the stories. These are the things that we've always dealt with. Um, the the difference is now with with technology, you guys are able to see what we deal with. And she's like, you know, this is it's just too much. It's just it's just too much. It's too much. 
And I go, yeah, well, imagine being black. She's like, I can't, I can't, I can't even, I can't even imagine. I can't, yeah, exactly. This is, not only do we have to imagine it, we have to be prepared for it. Right. And we still, and we still have to live our lives as regular human beings. Yeah. I want to, I want to bring, let it affect us. I want to bring Reef into the conversation. Yeah, sorry. Talk, talk, tell us about, you know, your experiences with the game. Well, I thought that the great achievement of the game is so after you read the off world piece, um, you know, me being a black man, I know I'm familiar with what it's tr- trying to do. So before I even play the game, I feel like I'm emotionally prepped for what it's going to do. And it still worked on me. I was still angry when I played the game, even though I went yeah. into this game like, I know what's going to happen. You know, uh, you know, I've, I, I, I went in there kind of thinking, all right, I'm just going to click a bunch of things and, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to get like harassed or like whatever. And there's a couple of things that I think why it got to me. The first one was, it was a really brilliant choice, Akira, I think, in terms of the situations that you chose at the beginning versus the situations at the end. Um, Because I tried to play the game honestly and i'm so used to people locking doors or like crossing the street that i never say things (laughs) to people right but given the stuff that goes on now if a police officer does approach me i am gonna say something now now if you would have asked me maybe five years ago maybe that answer would have been different but Mm. you know with this onslaught i just don't trust i've lost a lot of trust in the police, because even though, as Cicero said, these have been always going on in the community, now it's this constant social media onslaught of this stuff and videos and right. and then, right. you know, people that aren't in the community kind of talking about it. So, you know, so you feel almost overwhelmed by it. So I tried to play it honestly, and I thought that kind of leads to the other brilliant part of the game, which... It's very simple, but it's brilliant. The fact that there's a red meter kind of just outside of your eyesight, so it kind of like catches your eye. And obviously there's a lot of things that are associated with red, the red ink, the red marker, but that got me more frustrated. You know, like <laughs> like um, I was like playing a game. I was like, yo, I went from two to seven. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, yeah. and I went from two to seven just saying – like, can I help you, officer? You know, and like, I'm like, yo, but this right. shit is real because if I if you catch the wrong cop, like that's what right. would happen, you know. So I right. got myself worked up and frustrated by the end of the game, even though I was emotionally prepped. And I think anytime any game can cause an, a kind of a visceral reaction, whether it's a 70 hour game or a or a twine game. It should be commended. So I just wanted to commend you on this because it really, really um, hits at the core of what you're trying to deliver. Yeah, yeah. There was there was a part there was a part in the in the article I found was really interesting and, and speaks to my experience with the game. Um, and it's and it goes and it says it says uh, quote I've had tears, quiet, quiet contemplation, disbelief, and either even frustration specifically from players that wanted to speak out about how they were being treated and yet knew that they would need to remain silent in order to get back home safely. The, 
I, I first of all, I played this game at work. Which oh was my a goodness! No, no. Why did I do that? That was smart. I'm in Portland. I'm the only Negro at my job, and I'm playing this game at work. I'm an <laughs> asshole. Um, I wanted to do like office space and just break shit. Um, but the thi- but the thing that I think you really pulled across that I'm consistently and constantly thinking about is the silence part. And I think that that was an amazing addition to the game mechanic because as a, a, I can't speak for anyone else, but myself, I'm constantly biting my tongue. I'm constantly uh, managing my emotions, my ability to, to act in ways that make white people comfortable. Right. And it and it feels like a consistent and constant uh, silencing of myself, my thoughts, my ideas, and how I kind of maneuver in the space. And being able to to type in words felt empowering because I don't even know if I would say those things in real life to people. And that to me felt different and didn't feel it, it again like what Reef said is like I prepared myself mentally for it and I knew how to kind of navigate the space because you already have done the scenarios in real life it's not like you know I was I had the store scenario where the person was following me and and I've done that I've had that happen so many times that I don't even think about right. it anymore so I'm like has this person behind me and I'm like Oh, I cussed them the fuck out when I had it in the game. I cursed them out. <laughs> and my meter was like, doo, 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 doo. I was like, damn. <laughs> I was like, shit. I rolled what? I was like, they gave me two dice. They, I didn't have one die. It was like two <laughs> dice. It went all the way up. But it, but it, I, I kind of want to dig into, you know, your thoughts about designing this in that way and saying, you know, I, I'd love to know what scenarios. I'm sure most of the ones that you put into the game were ones that you maybe even have have lived through can you can you talk a little bit about your decision to 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 add that frustration counter and to to make it something where silence was a huge dynamic in how the game was played sure yeah um so as as you're saying before uh you know maybe five years ago uh i think Sharif yeah. was saying this like five years ago you might not have said anything today you probably would I think we live in an age of subtlety where we're just, there's all these microaggressions constantly, 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 constantly. And if you say something about it, or if you call it for what it is, or if you call like, you know, the coded language for what it is, it's flipped on you and you're being the racist, or it's flipped on you and you're being aggressive, or it's flipped on you and you're being the one that's like creating the trouble. But it's like, uh, uh, no, these feelings that I'm feeling are legitimate. The power structure is not even here. It's things are imbalanced. So uh, uh, that this is kind of just the way I see it. The way I, I see the current situation in America is like race is uh, like an unencroachable kind of subject. Once you start talking about it, people start shutting down. They stop listening. Right. So uh, 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 I wanted to say something about uh, uh, people being silenced in this kind of very subtle way, in this way that like it's hard to address and it's hard to point out. It's hard to shine a spotlight on it. Uh, uh, also because, you know, when the riots happened, people were like surprised and I was not surprised. Like, where do you think you, you, like this anger is there, this frustration is there. It's simmering. It's just sitting here and and, like, just cause you don't see it doesn't mean it's not, it hasn't been there the whole time. Uh, so yeah, I, I, uh, uh, that was something that, you know, I, I've have a, a hard time, uh, uh, kind of understanding when you see on the news, the, the way that, uh, uh, 
rioters or people who are kind of like basically lashing out against this system that's been oppressing them uh uh how else would you behave in a way like that where like you you you've cried you've you've shouted you've done everything else you can now it's time to set shit on fire and you know by by no means am i condoning you know setting shit on fire but like we're human beings like you can only push human beings so far Mm -hmm, until they get to this point yeah it's uh, yeah i mean it's it's one of those weird things where when you talk to folks who don't go through it and you look at the scenarios that we have all kind of been taught to kind of suppress and kind of like eat quote unquote and then have those things kind of played out in not necessarily just game form but also just in you know having conversations with people when these incidents happen and and social media being what it is now it it just feels like we're all on the precipice of just losing it as a group mm-hmm. and it's right. and it's interesting because of all the people when we get labeled as thugs and savages and all these other things, I'm like, do you not understand that the country is still here that we did not burn shit to the ground at this point after all the things that we have gone through, you should be happy (laughs) that people still want to engage in a system that hates them or or engage in a system that doesn't and hasn't benefited them ever. And I think that's the thing is like, people don't understand that it's a forever thing. Yeah. Right. You know, Reef right. got. That's what you wanted. To no, 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 no. I I agree with um with the, what you're saying, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's also frustrating though because I know that you know the point is being kind of reiterated here that you know people that don't live through it that they have a hard time understanding it, but that's also frustrating to me because I'm like, people are dying, like that should be a, like you right. should be able to empathize with life with Americans right. being right. killed, with <laughs> right. unarmed Americans right. being killed. Americans being that, killed, right. You know, well, not, n- n- not even Americans, unarmed people being killed, that you shouldn't have sure. to understand the black experience to realize people are dying. Like, like that's so right. frustrating to me. It's, it's like, and like I've had to deal with this on the other side because I've had, uh, you know, a lot of discussions in the last few few years about sort of the um a situation with immigration and like how like you, you know like um like a ice and like these like groups that kind of like you know they sometimes have these kind of not concentration camps but like these these like um i don't know what you call it like yeah they're horrible conditions and and like a lot of people think like, well, they try to come over and, you know, and whatever. And I'm like, yo, they're people, you know what I'm saying? Like, right, like, right. so it, it gets frustrating to me that I have to try to explain to someone that's not black, the black experience, just so they can value our, us being alive. I mean, it's, oh, it's, right. it's so frustrating. Right. So, so Akira, what, what have you, uh, you know, outside of the, the game being available, on the browser um have you have you tried to distribute it anywhere um you you talked about the larp experience uh, how do you facilitate the larp experience uh so i had a chance to show it uh at e3 this year which is like really nice. bizarre but thanks to uh, <laughs> indicate indicate has a booth there every year i submitted it to that festival and a couple others so i'm hoping you know i get in uh, and get some opportunities to show it live because i feel like that's yeah. the most effective experience but right. um yeah, it, it's uh, the way I do it is 
the way it's intended to be played is outdoors, actually on a sidewalk. Mm. But, you know, if, you know, given those circumstances aren't appropriate, uh, you can do indoors and just kind of simulate and talk sure. people through it and just kind of say, okay, we're here on this, this sidewalk. And, you know, imagination is powerful. So if you kind of just like put those suggestions in, it, it really works. And a little, a little trick I learned while I was in ma- Imagineering, if you really want people to role play with you, you give them a prop, you give them a costume. Mm-hmm. And right. so I've done just that. Like you wear a black hoodie, um, you in your hand, instead of on the screen, you hold a counter that is your frustration meter. And so mm-hmm. it's like the players are look at that actively at each move. And before they're going to say something, like I'd have people just like staring down at that number and just like, you know, uh, uh, I've even had some suggestions of like, e- e- as your frustration goes up, maybe like wearing some kind of literal weight <laughs> on yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, that might be interesting to play test. I'd like to see wow. how a, a playthrough of that goes through. How, but how, yeah, I, it, it's very intimate. It's just me w- as the system uh, with my binder and the die that they don't get to touch. I roll them. They don't get to roll the die. Um, and I just talk them through each scenario. Yeah, yeah. I'm really interested in the system and sort of this like resolution penal code binder and and stuff because it makes me think a little bit about, um, I don't know if any of you have ever played the uh, tabletop game Net Netrunner before. Um, but like, so like, it's like a two player tabletop game and like a one player is like kind of like this like hacker and like, uh, and like the the other side is like the corporation or the system and you're trying to like defend Mm -hmm. against that. And I remember when I first was introduced to that game last year, I was really thinking like, you know what, it'd be really cool if the corporation part was like kind of like controlled it because really in a lot of these dystopian kind of novels and stuff, you know, that's what happens. And I feel like what you're kind of proposing with the system here is more in line with, with, you know, what I think that these roles should be in these kind of games, whether it's a video game or like a tabletop game, because you're really not in control, you know, like you kind of just witness how the power is uh distributed so i'm really looking forward to seeing sort of the uh the uh, larp version yeah yeah I, I intentionally made a lot of those uh materials to kind of feel and look like official government documents and just very dry and cold and just like uh as a bureaucrat wrote it um <laughs> because yeah i think the problem is systemic like uh you know if you go poll most people on the street no one considers themselves a racist right. um no at least no one wants to consider themselves that uh right. it it's just i think sometimes we have misunderstandings with each other and we have a long history that we don't really like to acknowledge because it's it hurts mm-hmm. uh and then so these things are expressed still uh and they're also still currently kind of like if you don't talk about it and expose it like uh uh you know, how, how can a doctor treat you unless he examines you and then tells you what what uh, what the sickness is? We haven't even gotten to the point, really, where we're talking about what the sickness is. We're just looking at the symptoms. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's yeah, that's I mean, my my frustration counter just went up by seven when you said that, <laughs> <laughs> because it's one of those things where we're 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 still waiting and. I, I say this often, I say this kind of not jokingly, but not jokingly, is that when it comes to race relations, it was interesting. I'd watched the um, uh, the white people doc, uh, documentary on uh, uh, MTV. MTV. I just uh, watched that before tuning in with you guys, actually. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. super interesting. And it was a, a conversation that uh, someone tweeted 
saying basically that white folks don't don't deal with race until they become an adult and most most black people deal with it at a very very early age but 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 it's one of those things that i you know if i ever wrote the book it would be waiting for white people to catch up (laughs) that would that would be basically the name of it is because we're still waiting for, for white people to kind of like acknowledge that this is an actual thing this is a conversation that's been happening and that although you may not be uh necessarily engaging in it or or helping it be pushed along specifically in the actions that you do every day there are there is history that we have not necessarily gotten to but i kind of want to go ahead see go ahead no oh okay i was i was gonna ask uh akira um the uh, one is the confederate flag dlc coming out (laughs) (laughs) it'll be in stores and uh this this fall uh you can pre-order if you pre-order you get uh you get a model of jefferson davis that you can jefferson davis (laughs) dlc nice well done wow (laughs) wow oh man i just oh man just wrap myself now, in now, it. Now, now I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> you can, really, you can, want, you can always that. make an endless runner where you just take right. the flag and then just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. endless runner or catch me, motherfuckers. Yeah, catch endless me. runner or like some assassins. Oh, you know, what? I've got the idea for the worst endless runner of all time. Oh God, it's, are we going to go underground railroad here? Yeah, Is I was going to say. Oh, no, right. <laughs> Um, we could talk, we call it the true Southern experience <laughs> and, and you're, you're, you're driving a pickup truck and you've got a black dude oh dragging behind you. Make sure you hit all the brambles. Oh, and rocks. That's, t- I, oh, that's, that's terrible. Awful. You're on time. That's awful. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I've ever done that on this show. You're a, you're officially on time. Out. Yeah, I, I, um, I can't roll oh, with that. Man. I, I kind of want to pivot. So I want to pivot <laughs> to people not dying. Um, right. I want to pivot to a little bit of your history because uh, one of the cool things that I found out when doing my homework was, so you run it, you run an outfit called rainbows, which is the, the name of your, of your company. Um, and the, what, one of the cool things I love that, that you wrote as far as the description for it was, it says that um, you also believe that games quote, uh, we believe that games are among the most powerful and current media due to their interactive nature. Rainbows makes games that are a mirror. I found that amazingly compelling. And, and, and I think, you know, when we were doing uh, some of the homework and, you know, one, <laughs> the game itself is that mirror to what we see and kind of are dealing with on a consistent basis. But it, right. but it also brings about the idea of what are these, what are some of the other things that you would at some point like to kind of broach with, with the games that you make? Um, well, right now I have a, a game that's going to be released by the end of the month on uh, Sony PlayStation Vita nice. and uh, iOS. And eventually there'll be an Android version. It's a touch game called Stop Thief. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah, I saw uh, the trailer. So this game uh, on the surface looks kind of just, it's like an operation like is what I call it. You're using, you know, like you're, the touch screen to kind of move uh, these wallets through a maze and you don't want to hit the sides. So mm. just similar to the game operation, but digital. Uh, but then at the core, really what I'm trying to do with the game is make like kind of a um, tongue in cheek commentary on, uh, uh, we all know the, you know, the 2008 crash. Well, if, you know, I were to go and rob someone on the street, you know, they'd probably be an incredible manhunt. 
Yet, if mm. I am, you know, in charge of a large financial group and I, you know, uh, fudge some numbers or, you know, manipulate the system or have this very convoluted way that I can get away with a lot of money in a less than ethical means, <laughs> yeah, then, you know, the, this idea of collateral damage happens. I and, the, and, you know, I have all these people in the courtroom saying how great I am to the community and, you know, how it would be terrible if they put me in jail. Yet, you know, this person without that kind of support structure, that community structure, and is very poor, they're going to get thrown away forever. So I, uh, in this game, I'm, I'm kind of making that uh, or attempting to make that kind of commentary with just like cartoony ridiculousness. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing the trailer for it. And it was just at the end, just a boardroom of people just clapping maniacally. It was dope. <laughs> I was like, I want, I want to play this because it just me. First thing I was like, I want to play this, and the second I was like, Akira, why are you so angry, brother? Why, why do you have these feelings inside your soul? Why do you have these feelings in your heart about about these good people who are making America better? Why, why do you feel this way, Akira? How is this? <laughs> It, it, made, it made me even laugh. Yeah, 2008. 2008 is what. <laughs> I'm just going to see Akira one day, next next IndieCade or next next event, just with a shirt that says 2008 on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and a, and a, uh, it'll be like, you know, the graph, like the stock market and just going down. <laughs> yeah. right. I'm going to just see you from across the hall, just throw up a black power fist and just keep moving. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, so that's really interesting. The second thing... Um, is that you've bounced around and done a lot of cool stuff. You were doing some, uh, you were working with Disney in the in, uh, Imagineering uh, R&D department. Um, you've also done some work uh, with some, some big name companies as well. Uh, you did some work with Treyarch um, and, and some other folks there. Um, the thing that I always found super interesting, and this is super recently because I had, um, just gone to an event, I believe it was either at GDC or E3. I think it was at E3 or um, or known of the event again through Sean and Lisa Brown. Shout out to Sean and Lisa Brown. Um, but you are the, one of the founding members of Glitch City, uh, yeah, Glitch City LA, which, which is super dope. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of go into what Glitch City is and, and, and why you helped to start that or to, to why you started it and, and, and talk a little bit about what it's doing in the space. In my mind, uh, like other members might have slightly different feelings, but in my mind, Glitch City is like a video game, like a Wu-Tang Clan for video mm. games. So <laughs> we got all everybody, all kinds of games, all kinds of people making all kinds of different types of games, but coming under one roof. So it's like, oh, you like, you know, like the uh, uh, mobile puzzle things, like talk to Asher, he's got threes. Like you like action games, like, you know, like why don't you talk to uh, uh, the Hyperlight Drifter guys? You like like these really thoughtful and amazing like PC games. Why don't you talk to Brendan Chung? And you know I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's like so many of us. There's more and more and more. You know, uh, there's people there doing crazy experiments like Archie for Cash. Uh, there's people like the Arcane Kids. So like we just have this like really great eclectic group of like people who are just trying to uh, uh, make things. And and the thing is is when you're an indie, you're either working out of your house or like you're working out of cafes and coffee shops and. You know, it's kind of hard sometimes when you don't have like that, that people around you surrounding you. So what we all got together to do is uh, pool our resources, um, get a space where we could all be in and and just like feed off of each other, help each other, you know, come up, uh, help each other, uh, 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 you know, promote each other's work, um, you know, work on each other's games, collaborate. So we just really wanted kind of like a collective space. And I, and I think... 
and I'm hoping that more and more places like this are going to emerge. Like we also looked at some other places like the Copenhagen Game Collective, uh, uh, people like uh, Baby Castles in New York, like mm-hmm. the Hand Eye Society in uh, Toronto. Like, and now there's a new group that just popped up. Um, uh, shoot, I'm they're going to kill me because I just lost their name, but they're in San Francisco. Um, I'll have to get back to you. Uh, their name has like escaped me right now. I'm sorry for those guys that to those guys that I can't remember right now. We'll pull some beer out for them. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's, I was looking up some of the games and it's the crazy thing is like, usually when you have kind of indie spaces where they are doing this collaborative work and doing this collaborative efforts, usually it's like games that you might've heard of or stuff that didn't necessarily get a lot of burn or a lot of folks who were like either super really new or, but the the kind of roster that you have right now is kind of nasty. It's kind of dope. Where it's like you guys have Hyperlight Drifter and Donut City, which I which Donut I, County, yeah. I mean Donut County. I'm sorry, and and Quadrilateral Cowboy. It's how how did you guys and in, in crew? How did you folks? Because there there are not just guys in the group. Um, how did you all meet? How did you all decide that this was going to be a thing that you wanted to do together and collaborate? Uh, well, there was. Not all of us knew each other, uh, but the, there's a great large of us, amount of us that did because LA has just like a really good community. It has like a, a lot of the pieces of the recipe that you need for like a really strong independent games community. We have a festival, we have Indiecade, mm-hmm. we have a bunch of AAAs that are around, so people that you know leave AAA and then go go indie. We have also uh, a couple universities with pretty good, like great actually game programs, USC and UCLA. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you combine all that, like, just the talent is just there. Um, and then we all know each other just because, like, there's, there were different events. Like, um, sometimes uh, I Am 8-Bit would have events over in Echo Park. You know, there'd be events over um, at Giant Robot, over in um, uh, Little Osaka. Yeah, yeah, Little Kansai area. Um, so, yeah, it was, uh, uh, we just kind of, like, were acquainted with each other because of going to festivals and going to things like that, so... Okay, and and uh, so you find that the culture, that that sort of competitiveness that would cause people not to want to work together, that 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 isn't something that you ran into a lot with you know within sort of the um, indie space in the uh, LA area. No, I feel like the indie game community is less competitive and more supportive. Like it's more. Uh, you know, as the field expands and more people kind of join the fray, I hope that that doesn't change. But right now, it's like more about, you know, I help you, you help me, and like let's help each other to kind of like keep growing because, you know, who knows, next project we might be collaborating. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of dope to see the indie space do this in so many pockets too around the country, which has been around the world actually. It's, it's, yeah. it's, been, it's been nice to see people do this and be really excited for everyone else's projects that that to me is one of the things i always love about being around that scene is that it doesn't matter who you are if you want to make a game people are like yo you should make a game yeah yeah and that, and that, i mean we all want more games to play right who, that's, <laughs> who doesn't yeah. right right it's true. right 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 yeah i gotta add to my it's backlog like somehow. pulling from oh yeah <laughs> yeah <anyway>. right <laughs> God, my backlog is ridiculous at this point um, I think I think what we should do really quick is we're going to take a quick break. Um, Reef has an amazing promo that we're going to run about his next uh, Gaming Looks Good video. Um, and we're going to check that out in a second. And then we'll be right back after 
this. What's up, y'all? This is Sharif Jackson, host of Gaming Looks Good, a YouTube series where we focus on diversity in video games, race, gender, and sexuality. Check out the full archive of videos at GamingLooksGood.com. Yeah, so so uh, thanks for playing the promo. Um, you know, um, so my latest gaming looks good video um, was on the um, Game of Thrones episode four, um, which which I found pretty interesting because you know um, the series tends to have you know a few strong female characters in like the in in the uh, TV series. I'm not as familiar with the book, but in this game. I feel like the women really dominate the game in terms of the more interesting characters as well as the ones that take the most um, controversial stances. Um, And when you kind of combine that with sort of, you know, with the um, society that they have there, which is clearly like a patriarchal, like a kind of, I guess, stereotypical, like, um, you know, like a... European, like uh, middle—I don't know if middle ages, but like kind of, kind of like that era of that, like most fantasy is. Um, the fact that like the women are pretty much running the show, um, I think, is uh, great. Um, so I'm definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to the next episode. Um, but the next video will be on Life is Strange. Um, episode four, which I've been avoiding spoilers like a madman because everybody, because I've been seeing more people tweet and share about this episode than I ever have with any of the other ones. So, so, so it's gotta be something. And, you know, I've, I've, every time I see it even being like discussed in a podcast or on a blog, I I just skip it. (laughs) So, so I'm gonna try to play it. I would have been done already, but uh, that Destiny Iron Banner uh, last uh, time. I, 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 <laughs> we are not even going to go back into Iron Banner discussion. Yeah. That is yep. Yep. So. So. Um. Yeah. 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 Thanks. Th- thanks for supporting the videos. Um. And as always, game gamelessgood dot com. If you want some diversity in games, um, that's where it is. And I'll be uh taking those talents uh to Chicago. Um, on August 8th, which will be passed when this podcast comes out, most likely. Um, yeah. But I'll be speaking yep. at AlterConf, um, which is a uh, conference that focuses on diversity in games. Um, I'll be sp- speaking there in downtown Chicago, um, and I'll be speaking on the timing of diverse character placement. Um, and nice. basically the idea behind that is that, you know, I put... T- I, I, put together the um, argument that it's not enough that your games are diverse if all the characters are shoved at the end or like if there's only (laughs) one or two at the beginning and then none at the end of the game. I do feel like that a lot of game designers and and, uh, writers, they make sure to, you know, spread a lot of, you know, plot points and, uh, you know, interesting things regarding everything but diversity all throughout the game so that you don't see everything at once but like when it comes to you know to um well-written women or like nuanced poc um you know those those kind of tend to be either bunch at the end or at the beginning and it 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 almost feels like it's just so they can check a box off 
Um, so I wanted to kind of throw the question out to um, you guys, like, you know, do you have, you know, what, what's your opinion on that? Have you ran in the games where you've kind of checked out because you felt that, you know, at the beginning it was kind of like the same old thing only to see, you know, maybe halfway down the line it gets better? Um, or do you more care that just the overall game is diverse and that the order of uh, int- introduction of our characters doesn't really matter? I guess we could start off with the care on that one. What, what do you think about that question? Uh, yeah, I think it definitely it matters. Like, uh, it, I guess it. I, I want to say it's better than nothing if they if they uh, you know at least are trying to check the box. However, that's no that shouldn't be like you know our metric for success, you know. Um, but I do feel like that I have been noticing subtly. There have been a few things that have been coming out more recently that seems like the, uh, uh, the pendulum is starting to swing the other way. Like there is that, um, that DLC for Infamous is starring right, uh, right. Yeah, the yeah. young female character. You mm-hmm, have games sure. like Life is Strange. Um, and like you said about Game of Thrones, yeah, like the dragon lady scared me. <laughs> <laughs> See? Um, so, uh, when, you, when you started posing the question immediately, what came to mind, both in the positive and the negative was life is strange. Um, so, you know, life is strange. Obviously the, the protagonist is a, is a, is a, a woman, she's 18, um, you know, and, and returning to her, her, her hometown to go to school and this place is just for seniors in high school, which is completely weird. Um, but the way that they interacted the way the students interacted with each other just didn't seem realistic. It just kind of seemed like people didn't really understand that. And again, it was, it was the, you know, if I had a complaint uh, at a certain point, it was that this was a story that could have easily been uh, where they could have used the protagonist could have easily have been a person of color and and the story could have remained the same and, and or and or made it even more interesting um but but as i've go, as i progressed in the story i still don't i i still think that that is something that they needed to do or or could have done but i can appreciate the the nuances and and the the subtle characteristics of the characters that they have chosen and how they and how they use them um, it would have been nice to have one of her friends, one of her, you know, key friends, one of her classmates be a person of color, which is another thing that's really strange about this, about that game, that there really aren't uh, any any people of color of note um, that are students. There are definitely adults that are around and um, and, you know, that's kind of weird. Uh, and, and like Akira said, I think the pendulum is swinging, uh, just a a few days ago or, or, you know, about a week ago based on, you know, if you guys are listening to this on Tuesday, uh, the mafia three trailer released, uh, from Gamescom and, and the protagonist, it seems, at least it seems the protagonist for, uh, for that game is going to be a black dude, or at least the main character in the trailer was a black dude. He he Um, is the main protagonist. Oh, okay. So, so, I mean, that's, that is exciting. Um, and let's, you know, let's see, let's see what they, what they do with that. And, and, uh, 
Um, you know, I, I definitely think that there are games on the horizon that will allow us to, to look back and say, look, they didn't have to make this choice when when building the character, but they did. And I can appreciate that. So, um, you know, the future the future is looking up. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I kind of wish, you know, when you pose the question, I didn't really have a real concise answer um, because I don't play games that aren't sports. So I always see black people. Oh, my gosh. Um, right. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, but it also made me think like they were like, wouldn't it be interesting if you looked at the code and you look through somebody's like C++ code and then it has like bracket three two one puerto ricans and then and that's when they show up in the game it's like there's a timer in there where it just winds up happening where, where, where ethnic people just wind up being placed into a game um that was just a super tangent but um i mean it's interesting the things that i always notice is like okay so when do you put the people of color if they're if if they're even in your game to begin with where do they come in where do they wind up being in the story do they have significance into the story and then it's like every horror movie. It's like, all right, I'm expecting them to die now. When did they die? And if they make it through mm-hmm. to the end, I'm like, that's awesome. You made it through to the end. You get a cookie. Right. Achievement unlocked. Achievement unlocked. <laughs> you made it through to the end. But it's, but it's also one right. of those weird things. Yeah, right. It's also one of those weird things where it's interesting to see if they're not the protagonist, if they come in at a spot, and then if they're the only one. That's the thing that I always notice is kind of what, what Cicero was saying. It's like, all right, so you're in the story, you're in the story, you're in the story, but there's no other ethnic people in the story after you. It's like, right. all right, we got that one yeah. thing. These people will shut the hell up, and now we can now we can continue our story. Right. Now yeah, we can keep I, going. I think we definitely <clears> – <throat> pardon me. <clears throat> we don't want to fall into, like, tokenism right. or, like, right. the right. the that article that came out about The Witcher where, you know, Basically, you know, it, uh, and just like in that uh, MTV documentary, white is considered or can, could be considered like the default. We definitely don't want to sure. fall into spaces like that. Right. Uh, where right. it's like, oh, well, we met our black quota. We got we got like there's, there's a black guy right there. He's like, you know, he's the <laughs> principal of the school. We're, we're fine. We're covered. Like, yeah. Yeah. I had a really long right. discussion with that on with someone on Twitter to, today, actually. And, and we had a, a back and forth kind of conversation about right. that same idea of tokenism in that respect. And I was like, look, if you ask most people who are of like mind and who are really kind of emphasizing and pushing for the space to be more diverse, we just don't want people just to be thrown in the pot just for the sake of it. We want good characters. We want good representation of those those people where their experiences are the same but the uh the 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 conversations can be different so sure it's, it's one of those things where we kind of want that to to be consistent and we want that to continue to kind of move itself forward uh in those ways yeah so well, so well, it's so it's an interesting kind we... of discussion that is going to happen uh, across all games it's I'm, I'm happy that you're having that conversation at your yeah. talk reef because that's going to be a really dope thing to kind of get feedback on i'm excited to see how that's going to play out and see if people can can kind of rock with that that would be really dope um but and i'm hoping that to a certain extent it opens up the conversation into kind of other tendrils that can kind of pop themselves in and out so uh i'm, I'm happy that Thanks. you're going to do that as well it's going to be dope yeah and so uh oh yeah, no ahead, i was i was 
just going to say, yeah, I mean, I'm proposing that that argument, but I definitely hope that people engage me on that and that it does open up a conversation, you know, you know, be because I've talked to people that don't agree that don't agree with me. And I think that that's great. You know, I just want to, you know, just I want to make sure that these things are on the table when people are designing games, because because I think that like Akira made a good point and And it's exactly what I was talking about with sort of the check in the box that I guarantee at these meetings that like some people are like, well, like we got a black person in there. So like, let's just kind of not have that any anymore. You know, uh, let's, let's just put that <laughs> to the side and just focus on the, on the default, you know? Um, so yeah. 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 I want people to be talking about this stuff, even if they come to different conclusions than I do. It just means that they're actually thinking about it. Cause I don't get the sense that they even think about it. Right. Like uh, now, and 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 sure. that yeah and and true. that is disturbing. I mean, I know that like like we talked about when I went to to the uh, games learning and society conference, and you know there were all these academics there, and like they were all like, "What do you mean diversity?" You know, like let let <laughs> like it really worries me that it's not even being cons- considered unless they're forced to consider it like it's a GTA game or something like that, you know, it's now, so I, I've got a, I've got a question for you and then I've got a, a question, a devil's advocate kind of question to pose to the group, uh, Sharif. So, so the first is in your talk, do you have any examples of games that you think, or even singular game, uh, that you think is doing it correctly? Yes. Okay. Uh, I mean, you can spill the beans since this comes out. It won't you be. You want spoiler. me to spoil it? So what? Yeah. So yeah. Spoil it. Spoil it for Akira and. and for <laughs> yeah. So so um, I try to pick non-typical examples. Right. So I think that that one that is awesome that you wouldn't expect actually is um, uh, the game Prism Shell, uh, which is by uh, sure. Brooklyn Gamery. Um, you know, out, out, out of uh, New York, they basically have, you know, a, you know, it's basically a, uh, top down shooter. Right. But when you look at the trailer and the intro screen, it shows a protagonist, you know, a, a woman of a color as a, as the uh, protagonist. And again, you know, that's right from the get go. So like, so, so as far as a timing perspective, that immediately draws your eye to it. And it, and it's special because right. it's something that, you know, you don't quote unquote have to do right because because you don't really see the character during the game, but it does draw you in. And I know that if 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 if, if, if like I had kids, especially young girls, I'd be like, "Yo, th- this right. is the hero," you know. Um, and yeah. I think that you know, especially when you add that stuff in with a games that you quote unquote don't have to like games that aren't in the hood or, or, or like games <laughs> that, that like don't, don't like explicitly deal with this stuff. Like, like, like uh battlefield hardline where you're creeping around the hood and these scary black folk are all trying to kill you, you know, with the med pack. Yeah. The yeah. And, and like, I definitely have that in the talk as well. So we good. Um, be, because they do it badly. Um, but 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 um, yeah, I th- I I think a game like like uh, like uh, Prism Shell actually does it well. Surprisingly, I think a game like uh, the campaign of um, Mortal Kombat 
X does it well right. as well, which is something that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. But but like they do all through the game, they have like you know nuanced, diverse characters interwoven into the story, and they're not like, hey, I'm the black person, I'm supposed to be funny, or like or right. <laughs> or like, hey, I'm I'm the Asian person, I'm only gonna do like a bunch of like stereotypical kung fu moves and you won't understand kind of what i'm saying you know like it's not like that like they really thought about it and i think it shows yeah Mm -hmm. yeah now so all right so now here's here's my devil's advocate question um that i want to pose to people uh and and pose to you guys first um are we thinking too much into the whole diversity thing um if you if you look at the demographics of the United States, mm-hmm. um, you know, w- the three of us, Ka, Reef, and myself, we all grew up in, you know, in the New York City, in the tri-state area, what, you know, one of the most diverse places in the country, one, one of the most diverse places, culturally diverse places in the world. Um, you know, even, even Akira grew up in Peoria, Illinois, which is... Um, just a little geography fact for you guys, the second largest city in, in the state of Illinois. Um, and, and so, so there were, while not as culturally diverse as Chicago, there definitely were multiple, multiple ethnicities, uh, throughout the town. Um, you know, I think about myself now that I live in the, in the North suburbs of Chicago, um, in my apartment complex, there are probably 60 or 80 units. I'm the only black person that lives in my apartment complex. Um, so, well, that, you know, that's it, history, though. That's from uh, redlining. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, so there's 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 lots to do with that. But, you know, but but to that point, to that point, um most white people only know a handful of black people at best, you know, like, I, you know, we, we, I was anecdotally, anecdotally watching a video with, with my coworkers and, uh, the, the, the question, I think it was Jimmy Kimmel. He went out in the street and he asked everyone if they had any black friends and, you know, and the old black men, obviously didn't none of them none of them did and i asked you know my coworkers who were who were white men um none of, you know and none of them had any black friends um and you know the closest thing they had to a black friend was me their coworker and, and you know damn you know, well I mean, you ain't no friend right right <laughs> exactly i'm telling on them um <laughs> but you know but that, that's <laughs> but that's that's just i mean that's just it though it it's it's the fact that that they they don't it, during the course of their you know their during the course of their normal day to day life in even suburban America not even rural America you know how realistic is it for a a white person to really kind of understand or you know understand why diversity is important or even understand um why it's even necessary because they don't see you know diversity for them is sometimes i see a, a fat chick sometimes i see a skinny chick 
You know, I mean that like it it's you know, I mean there's there's no there's there really isn't an ethnic diversity for them. So, you know, is it is it something that should be important? Well, I think I guess I, I well I guess let me jump in really quick. Is Yeah. I I think that if you ask most people who are really again pushing for more more representation in all the spaces that we kind of are looking to to get into, you know, I, I think I, <clears throat> I think about Akira's game and I think about the the kind of cultural touchstones that are in there for our community that we all kind of know and understand and we don't have to explain to to people in our own community about why that affects us in that way. Right. We already know how that works. And I think to, to wrap ourselves around the human experience, which we already do, we have to, we have to kind of explain through kind of handholding other people through it that, look, this is what my experience is because you don't have to go anywhere near it. You never have to experience it if you choose not to. I, I tell that story all the time of me going to this beach town in, in New Jersey and saying, wow, I am really the only black person on this island right now. I'm literally the only black person. And, I, and it didn't really hit me that I can, you know, I've always been in an adverse place. I've always been in, in that New York space where I, I'm in constant interaction with white people on a, on a consistent basis and other people. And white people can avoid that if they want to. They can they can go to a place that is that removes themselves from having to deal with any of those experiences. And it's not something that necessarily is always choice. But for the most part, it totally is a choice. So it's like right. having that conversation kind of spread itself out. It's like, yeah, we want to make sure that the that we're that we're continuously having this discussion because it's only a, it's a one way conversation in many ways. Um, Akira, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this as well. Yeah, I have a, a few a few comments on this actually. So, nice, um, nice. <clears throat> I think that uh, the lack of like you know uh, knowing or having a lot of associates outside of your race leads to the misunderstandings that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, uh, f- an example I I kind of maybe this isn't a valid example, but something I noticed. Um, I currently usually live in LA. We we're talking about Glitz City, so I'm in LA. Um, other than when I'm going to school up here. Uh, and I like to, I prefer to stay on the east side for various reasons, but, you know, some friends of mine whom might live in a different part of the town, I noticed that from time to time would kind of have this impression or say that, like, that the place that I lived was, like, uh, a dangerous or, or bad part of town, <laughs> with, uh, uh, and the only real reason I could really see, you know, I live there. I've never run into any trouble, never had any trouble. The only reason I kind of like felt that is like, it's the brown part of town. It mm, wasn't right. that, uh, that the part of LA I was in, it wasn't really necessarily like the black area. It was more of like, um, like Hispanic, uh, uh central and South America. Uh, a lot of people, uh, that have, uh, uh, descended from that region of the world live there. Uh, right. uh, so, but yeah, it kind of felt that way. It kind of felt that that's what they were saying. It's like, and, it, and to me, it kind of came from a lack of understanding because they have never placed themselves in that neighborhood. They don't really, they have a set of assumptions. And those assumptions uh, without, you know, conflicting information ever coming in are just going to remain static and stable. Sure. Right. Um, and then so another uh, thing I had about it is like, yeah, do, will, does the diversity in the games matter? And this idea of like, um, uh, 
uh, uh, white like uh, being the norm, white being the default. Uh, uh, I kind of had a, a brief debate, a useless debate with someone on Facebook about this, and I, I linked to them. I don't know if you guys are familiar uh, with this, like the black baby, white baby doll experiment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So uh, there was a new, there was like kind of a not as scientifically rigorous, but like kind of to illustrate the same thing. There's a link on Facebook, on a YouTube you can find that kind of ex- shows this. And I think, you know, uh, uh, if continuously uh, white is seen as default, then, you know, where are we in that scape? And then currently, just due to history again, um, uh, uh, we have a kind of a lower value, even within our own communities, have a lower sense of self-worth and self-value. And I think that will only improve once our art starts to reflect really what our, 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 what we are and what um, we can be and what we aspire to be, uh, um, rather than, you know, what often I feel like we see, which is, uh, uh, you know, you play the drug dealer, you play the crackhead and, or, you know, or, or like in Deus Ex, the, the, the <laughs> sequel, the new, the new one where, you know, the oh, kind okay. of one black woman in the game talks to him like this crazy job. It's like, it doesn't even make <laughs> any sense. Like, <laughs> what do you, wait, wait, that happened? No, I'm just oh, joking. Oh, you no, have I'm, to no, go to no, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. we, we have captain. talked about that so hey, many times. Hey, Captain. Okay. What's up, Captain? Yeah. Um, yeah. Brief, brief. I wanted to hear your thoughts Yeah, I think you that. bring up some great points, Akira. Um, um, to answer your question, uh, Cicero, I definitely think it's important in any medium, whether it's books, movies, TV, video games, any medium that is reaching out to a broad audience, that diversity is important. Um, all these mediums you know, excel in their own ways, but they all look to engage people, to tell stories, um, and their audiences that they're looking to attract are diverse audiences. You know, they're the consumers of this, right. whether they're paying for it or, you know, or like a whatever. And they, these stories should be reflective of number one of the audience that it serves. And like number two of the reality of the country. And the reality is I know that you might not know a lot of white people that know people of color, but this country, you know, it's going to be like majority minority pretty soon right so there are the country is extremely diverse and video games are way behind like well like we're kind of in the same place that we were with tv and movies a a while back right like sort of like before those kind of realized like hey we can actually sell things if we write this stuff now uh, now, like as far right. as the, um, you know, if the designers or the people behind these don't have those experiences, that's where hiring diverse teams and reaching out to, um, to, to um, you know, other people that are experts in this, that's where that comes into play. But that requires upfront investment and time and resources and consideration, right. not when you're in the crunch that period of the thought, game, right. you're like, oh, man, we, 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 we got to diversify this thing. Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Diversity, right, right, <laughs> right, and and um, th- that's like something I know that when um, Lee Alexander was on the show, that she mentioned that um, that um, for uh, for like Never Alone, that they actually reached out to that community um, to yeah, yeah. do their research before making the game, right? So, like, yeah. e- even though the designers didn't have that background. 
they were still able to make it happen. So I think it's possible, even if the people behind the game come from the areas that you talk about where they might not see a lot of like a diversity, they still know that, that their customers are diverse and they still know that there are resources out there that they can go to if they if they really care about it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Now, to be to to be clear, I don't feel that way. I was just playing devil's advocate. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, I just, I just the devil. I just wanted to you know put right. <laughs> yes, I is. Um, I, I you know I wanted to put that out there uh, uh, as as kind of a. a a talking point that that I I know that lots of people have, and it's you know, and it's not it's not an outrageously egregious one to or or, or you know viewpoint to have if your experiences are thus. So um, you know, to to be able to pose the question and then have it addressed um, in, in 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 a way that was so eloquently done by the three of you, I think was was really important. Don't you try to butter my toast, um, you motherfucker. Ah, shut anyway. up. Um, <laughs> um, before before we switch over to our our breakdown segment, I wanted to just dig a little bit uh, deeper again into Akira's um, background. Um, one of the things that I found super super interesting um, when looking up information on you on the internet because anonymous said that it was okay. Um, the, one of the things I saw on, on your, your page was that, you know, I'm looking through the pictures of yourself. Um, and usually, you know, when you see game designers and game makers and programmers, you see all these kind of a studious pictures of people kind of with the one light shining on their face while they're looking, uh, kind of pensively or, or like looking at a, a computer screen and digging into the keyboard super, super hard. Um, one of the interesting pictures that I saw of you, uh, and you talk about it on your, the Rainbows site, is that you're a Iraqi Iraqi war vet, and that that was kind of the impetus in many ways for you deciding to to, to one make games and to to to, to make Rainbows. Um, I wanted to kind of dig into that a little bit and talk about um, you know some of your experiences, what happened. Not necessarily during your time, but what happened in the, the grand scheme that made that super important part of your life push you towards wanting to, to tell the stories that you do and, and, and make the games that you do? Yeah, okay. Um, so, yeah, um, going to Iraq, I was like 19. I was like a child. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really was my first time even really leaving the country I had, uh, you know, always studied other countries and and had a, generally an open mind, but not until like you're thrown into a culture that's so very different than your own in so many ways. But yet, yet, you know, not to say that um, Arab culture is like a, completely different, but there's there's some differences. There's things that like you know faux pas that you could make uh, uh, unintentionally if you don't understand, you know, the overall what what the culture the cultural values are, and that's true with any culture. But um, and and then also seeing how, uh, as a country, we kind of lacked an understanding of what Iraqi life was really like, what Iraqi values were like, what um, and and seeing the change from, yeah, Bush good, Bush good, and people like giving us thumbs up, and you know, like uh, hopefully that wasn't rude of me to like like that that. You know, uh, mimic the kids that were saying that, but like people would basically right, right. say, say that, uh, and then up down to like you know 
about the time when I started to, uh, when my time there was over, which was, what was that? It was um, the spring of 2004, about April 2004, the situation was completely different. Like, mm. Fallujah would start shortly after that. Um, the, like, the, the Battle right. of Fallujah would start shortly after that. Um, the, even the children on the street were, you know, flipping us off and biting their thumbs at us. Uh, and, you know, right. if the children are doing it, the, the adults are saying it. Right. So, right. Uh, right. Uh, and that was not for no reason. Like, that was not for no reason right. at all. So... Uh, 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 I brought back a lot of guilt. I felt like, uh, you know, I played a part, a role in something that, you know, I helped to destabilize a nation and I helped to hurt the world rather than, you know, do anything really good. And for what I felt like was, was selfish, selfishness. So my, um, uh, I joined the military. I was unable to pay for college. Um, my father was a, a retired police, or he's now a retired police officer as well as an army reservist. And he'd been in both for longer than I was alive at the time. Um, mm. At the time, he would, had been um, a police officer for like 20 plus years. Like he retired 28 years police officer, state, Illinois State Police. Um, and then uh, as a, a, a sergeant, um, uh, uh, sorry, he made the rank of like E9 um, eventually mm. in the reserves, uh, uh, eventually. Uh and was a drill sergeant and all that. So like I had kind of grown up and my grandfather was in World War II, uncles and um, that were Marines. So, you know, I thought that that was like a, a, a good option for me uh, to try to do that to pay for school. Uh, I, uh, you know, of course I do care about my country even though sometimes, um, you know, I have struggles with the, the, the views of it. <laughs> but, you know, I think any patriot, any patriot should in my mind. Um, right. But, my main reasons for joining was to pay for college. It wasn't, you know, some kind of like um, World War II patriotic fantasy that we're, you know, painted as so much. So to me, it felt like a very selfish thing that I had done to another people to so that I could gain. And then that, that uh, I carry that. I carry that with me still today. So um, what what I do is I, I make games. That's what I do. So I figure that, you know, I better put my best into making things that, you know, at the very least, will work in the way that I believe art should work. And uh, uh, I think art serves can serve as two things. It can either be kind of like propaganda, which works against the people, in my opinion. You know, the word propaganda wasn't always dirty, but in the current context, it's not so good. So I think it's something that works against the people's interests for some other private interest. Or it can work to serve as like a mirror to society and a, and a way for us to like examine ourselves and to like think about like if what we're doing and look at, look at our, give ourselves like a long look and say if what we're doing is like really the best thing for everybody. Um, so that's, that's kind of my like overblown, crazy, ridiculous goals. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think one of the, one of the things that really made me excited to talk to you was the fact that you had been through such a very, very different experience that pushed you towards, you know, I guess, you know, making something poignant in a different way you know what i mean it's it's being able to not necessarily exercise demons but it's also just the ability to kind of come back to come back to the the civilian life and say this is this is my my way of kind of changing that and kind of changing what what might have happened or at least being able to kind of use my experiences in the 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 art the the service and and reflect that again back towards the audience that I'm hoping to, to, to garner. 
Yeah, um, while I was there, I definitely feel like I saw like a a, a truth, a truth about uh, what I believe human nature is. Like anybody can kind of be pushed to do some negative things uh, given the right context. Mm -hmm. So, uh, uh, from my perspective, it's kind of like an obligation to kind of share that in in the best way that I can. Like while everyone might not share my truth, like uh, I think it's my obligation to 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 show it to others. Right. Well, that's so, awesome. That's, that's, yeah. that's really awesome. Um, I, I don't want to monopolize the, the conversation. See your, see your reef. Did, did you want to add to that? Yeah. I don't know if I can no? really add to that. I guess, I guess the, the question I had, um, was the, the, the two games that you've already made stop thief and, um, uh, and may you uh, maybe they won't kill you. Um, it, they feel like you know I, the easy way to say this is social commentary, right? It's like these are social commentary games that are that are that are talking right. to, talking about uh, the things that are happening to uh, America, happening to people in America, and happening to Americans. Do do you feel like you would ever make a game that talks specifically about your war experience? Uh, yeah, but I would need to do it. I feel like it would have to be approached in the right way. And I don't feel like I have like, I just don't feel like I have the skill to do it yet, to be right. honest. Like, hmm. I don't, ha I don't feel like I have the skill to do it proper justice right now. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I for one hope that one day you get to tell that story. Um, because the, the games that you've already made, they, they really, to me have hit me already just playing them in the past 24, <laughs> 24 hours. Have hit me in a way that I, that most games haven't. So you you have you have a talent for seeing through most of the most of the topics that you are trying to hit and, and nailing them on the head. So I'm hoping that um, you you are able to get there at some point and, and make that game because it would be a really dope experience to kind of take in. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So with that, we're yeah. gonna we're gonna jump into our breakdown segment, and we usually the way we do that is I will say something, C will say something, and then C will say. Break it down. <laughs> so we come back and uh, Gamescom is over. I have won. I beat Gamescom. <laughs> you defeated them. I beat his <laughs> ass. I tore it down. Um, we're not going to get into all the stuff that happened at Gamescom because I'm sure that all of you are Gamescommed out. You have seen all the things. You've seen all the trailers you have known. Uh, all the people who have stood on stage and said, yo, look at my game, son, which are nobody because nobody says that. But um, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, people, people on the EA side when they bring up people for NBA Live. But anyway, right. um, <laughs> I kind of want to go around the table. And if there are any games or any things that stood out for you at Gamescom over the past week or the, pre the prior week. Uh, I wanted you to kind of share what they were. Um, Reef. Yeah, so there's just one word, Battlefront. Um, as a big Star Wars fan, you know, I haven't really been that into the games that much um, since probably like the 16-bit kind of platformer games. Um, mm -hmm. Right. And when I first saw Battlefront, when I first saw the initial footage, I was hoping like, man, I hope this isn't just like, Battlefield 4 just redressed with Stormtrooper uniforms and that kind of stuff. Um, right. And the trailers that they showed during E3 were great because they really focused a lot on, you know, on sort of like the classic vehicles and like all that kind of stuff. 
but they showed the 20 player um sort of dogfighting um game that's like all um flying vehicles and you know you got the millennium falcon x-wings and all that kind of stuff and tie fighters and it looks really really good um and i think that a lot of people when they said originally that they weren't going to have any big space battles i think people thought that that meant they weren't going to have any kind of aerial combat at all um and they do and it looks like a lot of fun um i'm really hyped for this game i kind of wish i wasn't cuz i think i don't want to set myself up for unrealistic expectations <laughs> but with this coming and the force awakenings and the ex- and the extended universe stuff with the official canon books and then you got like star wars rebels and i I mean it's it's just i'm in kind of star wars (laughs) over the i I mean my dog is named princess leia you know so this is this is serious um but but yeah i thought that what they showed looked great and i think this game is gonna be incredible and i'm really looking forward to it Nice. Akira, have you been keeping up with any of the Gamescom uh, stuff? One game in particular, because I've been super obsessed with Bloodborne recently, so I, I'm really excited about the new Dark Souls. Yeah, can't wait yes. to die multiple <laughs> times until I figure out the boss pattern and then just like destroy it triumphantly. Nice, nice. Um, see, uh, what, what, what was your Gamescom looking like? Um. So, f- first things first, Halo Wars 2. Um, you know, I'm a, a big real time strategy guy. Um, I love strategy games. Halo Wars was was a really really good strategy game. I'm super excited to see that it's coming back. Um, so that's gonna be great. Uh, there were there were a lot of things. Microsoft ha- actually, you know, really had a great showing at at Gamescom, and um, you know the the water effects, the rain effects in Forza Forza Six. Look really spectacular. Um, you you finally got some more information about Crackdown, uh, and then the amazingly, I know that you said that you were excited about this uh, in the chat that we have, but I'm not. Which is yeah. Quantum Break. Uh, the the footage that we saw from Quantum Break, it looks pretty, but I just I just don't get it. But I won't doubt Remedy because I felt the same way about Alan Wake until I played it. Right. Um, so, and, you know, and it was fantastic. The, the thing that's great is that they've got some really, really good actors or actors that, you know, um, in, in the game. Um, the the one is the guy who plays Bobby Drake. At first I thought it was Jimmy Olsen (laughs) from Smallville. Um, you just, you just think all blonde white people look alike. Terrible. Oh, well, it's funny. You should say that because, uh, Jimmy Olsen is Bobby Drake's brother. And not only is he Bobby Drake's brother, he's Bobby Drake's twin brother. So they actually do look alike. So, so um, yeah, so uh, uh, the guy who played Bobby Drake in the X-Men movies is the main protagonist. And then the guy who played Carcetti in, um, in, in The Wire. Yeah. In The Wire and is, and is also uh, Littlefinger right. in Game of Thrones. Um, is is also is also in in this in the in the show in the game, uh, in the game that is the show in the show that is the game. So uh, you know all of that stuff is very very intriguing. I still don't get it, 
but you know they showed more so that was cool and and the overall i'm just excited by how big gamescom truly is like gamescom is huge like it's a big big effing deal yeah. that's 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 what's amazing about it so the I, I know i know you went on and on and on about how all those games are dope and all that stuff is great and how i don't like quantum break and all that other nonsense but no i was saying that you like quantum you said you like quantum no, break. You, i'm saying i don't because well, like i i just don't get I, it well i lost you because you talked about all these blonde people <laughs> but <laughs> but they're the same person they're twins that's what I'm they look alike here's the here's the number that you need to <laughs> i understand. know my white people you do Here's the number that you need to understand for Quantum Break, and it's the only number that you need to, only stat, figure, fact that you need to know about Quantum Break that's going to make it dope. And that number is 22. Twen- oh, yeah. 22 is the... That's a bus. Is the, is the, is the, is the what? <laughs> that's a bus if you're playing Black. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. 22 is the amount of minutes that a episode is going to take to finish in Quantum Break. <laughs> Per Sam Lake, so that's, per Sam Lake, the creative director, right. said on stage on an IG, on an IGN stage today, he said, mm-hmm. "You're gonna play a game. You're gonna go through the game. You're gonna play all the game parts, and then it's gonna stop at some point, right. and you're going to have to watch a 22 minute basically cutscene of live action episode, and then it's gonna throw you back into the game." That shit is dope, hilarious, and ridiculous all at the same time. I fucking yeah. love it because it makes me think about the game that I'm really excited about, and that is <laughs> and that is Metal Mother Effing Gear. <laughs> Gear. I <laughs> saw another yeah. one of the demos that they had, and that thirty minute yo one? the yeah, so that was. I saw at E3 was... this year. I saw they had like a big stage. They had like a mother base at E3 that they built. And they kind of ran through this like long demo of what you're going to be able to do in the game. They touched on the mother base stuff, but they didn't give like a blowout kind of uh, rundown of what you could actually do in it. The stuff that you can do in the mother base online kind of section of the game is going to be so dope. It's going to I'm so hyped for this game right now. It is unbelievable. I think I might have accidentally twerked at some point during the the demo because I was so hot. (laughs) I was like, this is going to be dope. So it's like asynchronous. Well, it's not asynchronous. It's, it's kind of like um, you build your base, uh, you build out all these sections to it that are all going to kind of affect your play style. uh, And then you can build an R and D platform. That R and D platform will give you new weapons and give you new ways to Fulton people. One that reef and I were talking about at at some point, we were talking about this portal that you can basically R and D where instead of Fultoning people and they go up in a balloon that you, that people can shoot down. (laughs) If you get your R and D stuff up fat, uh, up high enough, it'll basically pull people into a black hole and they can't shoot your, shoot your, your Fultons (laughs) down. It's awesome. It was nuts. It's so many dope things. And it's one of those crazy things where, again, it's like you can see Kojima's fingerprints all over this game. And it just reminds you of when Konami has the ability to kind of go batshit crazy, how smart they can be with the systems that they're able to build. 
and it's just sad to hear all the the, the stories that we've heard in the, in the past week of you know konami not being really dope to its workers and it's being like some kind of like internment camp kind mm-hmm. of at, at at konami so we, we you know in one way i'm torn because i really want this game this game is like going to be the game that i'm probably going to be playing a lot of until fallout comes out but also how do you support a company that's doing this to to its employees that's it's a double-edged sword and i feel really bad but mother base is calling and i feel bad so well, you, you probably don't have to worry about that because they, they that'll probably be their last console game yeah pretty much yeah yep. that's true that's yep. true too you're, you're absolutely and right about kojima that. will get his fair share of it we want him to go start a new studio or something so yeah absolutely. yeah, yeah. Actually, their their last console game will probably be the new winning eleven six or Pro Evolution Pro Evolution Soccer. Yeah, I'm 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 definitely a little worried at this uh, release PC same day as consoles, only because of Arkham Knight and some other ones. I don't want them to rush the PC version through, and I can't imagine they're going to use the proper resources to it. So I don't know. Yeah. And and the question I have is, you know, since we all kind of understand and, and, and realize that their their focus is going to be away from gaming for the most part going forward, is if they do release a gimped or fucked up version of the PC of the PC version of the game, do you how how much confidence do you have that they're actually going to do what they need to do to A support it and B fix it? Mm. I don't know. That's kind of hard to to, to tell. The, well, Reese, yeah. the PC guy, what what do you what do you think? I think that I'm the PC guy. No, sorry, <laughs> sorry, no, no, no. Can, 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 can you? I'm I'm not even gonna front. Can you repeat the point a little bit? Because I I uh... yeah. So so I mean, just just the fact that that uh, that we know that they're not going to be concentrating on gaming. Gaming's not going to be their focus going forward uh if they release a fucked up version of the game or how much confidence do you have that they're actually going to fix that oh i think version? they'll fix it um, uh, i mean you know. like it's a metal gear like they'll fix it i just think that you know if this arkham knight debacle has shown anything it's that wait like you know that you're we understand that you're going to dedicate your resources to the console space because that's where you make your money so we we understand that we would rather you get all that done and then folk and so you can actually focus on delivering pc version like what rockstar did with uh with grand theft auto 5 and i know every company can't afford to do that but if you want to come out with a pc one i just get worried that they're gonna that that they're gonna still put all their resources on the console version and and let them say oh yeah we'll just patch the pc one and and then especially now with like you know with windows 10 and stuff it's like there's going to be all kind of unforeseen errors you know uh, with drivers and all that kind of stuff so um i don't know i'm i have my fingers crossed that it that it'll be fine but sort of nothing in you know recent uh, news or memory kind of backs up that uh, <laughs> that it will be fine so yeah i'm kind of skeptical that they would really put too much into support because like okay the game's already sold and we don't actually need to impress that audience anymore we are going for mobile we're going for casinos we don't really care about that audience so why put the resources in why spend the money that's 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 my fear 
that's my fear is that they'll they'll put out a gimp version and they'll say to hell with you know the hell with the PR backlash. We don't yeah. care, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll support it. You know, maybe we'll 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 dedicate three or four months to trying to fix it. And if we can't fix it by then, then oh well, that's yeah, what you got. I really hope yeah. not. That's such an old school like old school PC gaming like mentality that some of these companies used to have. Like, right. I would rather them just not release it at all. It, like, if that's the case, but yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to move on to uh, it was an amazing piece that was done um, by a friend of the show, Gita Jackson, uh, up on Polygon this week. Um, and it was a story about how um, her watching and I guess maybe maybe Reeve, you could probably explain this a little bit better because you're you, I know I've read it, but you had a better you put it on the docket so you may have a better understanding of how, how mm-hmm. if you want to kind of give a sure of um so uh gita jackson who's who's an amazing writer she writes for like polygon and pace magazine and like a few other outlets um she wrote this uh, story about a book that um she read as a kid called uh jonathan strange and mr Norell um and uh you, you know it's uh, b- b- basically as as she describes it a book about british wizards right and she talks about mm-hmm. how like uh she's also watching the uh, bbc adaptation of it and she talks about you know how it reminds her of her dad and that she literally learned some stuff about quote unquote american blackness from reading this book about b- British wizards, which I think is an awesome thing. So the reason I put it on the docket was because I was really curious if any of you guys had any experiences where you were playing a game that, you know, isn't necessarily about your struggle, whatever that struggle may be, whether it's, you know, with race or finance or class or relationships, but you were still able to identify with that. Um, and I'll start just to give you guys an example, because, you know, I do think that like some of the best medium, I mean, sorry, some of the best works in any medium, you can identify with the struggle, even if it doesn't represent yours. Um, and, uh, one, one that like I, um, thought of in terms of uh, games was, um, papers, please. Uh, which was an indie game um, where, like, where like you're basically a um, employee at a uh, border crossing, and like a, you, ha- and like you have to decide who gets into the uh, fictional country. And it kind of starts off it like it like seems pretty easy. You're like, oh well, this like information d- doesn't like match up. Sorry, but they throw you in these really interesting circumstances where like you where like somebody's like hey i have this critical thing where my life kind of depends on it can you let me in even though i don't have that like material so you know even though i've never had that experience of like you know of you know of like worrying about that um Yeah, n- not sure what happened there. So- sorry, guys. Um, let me see. Let me see. Should I just start the whole thing over? Mm, I, I mean, you can, no, you can pick think, up. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah if, it, yeah. if it drops out, just keep going. Okay. 
Because you usually will pop back in. Okay. So just keep going. Um, yeah, because I got a weird flash error, which is why I stopped. But uh, okay. Um, um, yeah. So so um, with the, with uh, papers, please. Even though you know I've never had that experience of you know sort of immigration and going through and like worrying about having all your IDs in like um uh, order. It reminded me of the struggle I've I've had when I've been either pulled over by cops or, you know, I've been stopped and frisked, you know, um, in my neighborhood as well. So it kind of reminded me of that fear that that like I have now of when, you know, I'm um, around a uh, cop or like I get like pulled over and I'm worried that, hey, if I happen to have you know, the insurance card from last period because I didn't print out the uh, thing or, like, I happen to reach for my license when the cop isn't expecting it. Like, that fear kind of naturally goes through my mind. And and that, I feel like, is, like, also what they were trying to get across with uh, Papers, Please was that these are everyday people and that they have a fear that, you know, they won't be able to do what they have to do because of something that's outside of their control. Um, so I wanted to just throw out to uh, you guys, if you thought that um, if, if like you ever played a game where like, you know, a struggle that was presented in the game helped you understand a struggle that you were going through better. Uh, see, you want to, you want to take that up? Yeah, sh- sure. I, I mean, um, there, there are a lot of games that that you can, you know, or at least that I've been able to draw similarities uh, or, you know, or draw parallels from, you know, from my own personal experiences. Um, one that uh, one that comes to mind is, is probably The Walking Dead season one. Um, and, you know, early in the game, you're 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 constantly faced with this choice of save this one person Yep. Or save this other person, and and um, you know, and it really isn't a right answer uh, when it when it comes to when it comes to 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 how you you know how you're supposed to how you're supposed to decide things, but you just have to make a decision, and um, you know, I guess a, a parallel to that to me in my life was. Um, after after I got divorced and and you know I was dealing with my ex wife and you know this is uh, deep down mm-hmm. my rabbit hole but you know dealing with my ex wife it was it was very very difficult um, you know uh, for for whatever reason it was it was becoming more and more difficult to to be in the same area as as her even though my kids were there and and I had to make a decision. Um, you know, I could I could stay there and be around my kids, which, you know, which is my source of joy, but but emotionally still not be fulfilled because of how difficult it was to to have to live on someone else's terms in order to do the thing that that I that I wanted to do and love um, or move away, start my life anew. And and be able to to uh, interact with my children on my terms, and and you know even even if that meant 
that I was a, literally a thousand right. miles away from them. And, and, you know, I, you know, I made the choice to move away. Um, and you know, the, the, it, it still haunts me. Um, and, and when I have to make those types of decisions, when, you know, when I'm playing games and, and if the game does a, a really good job of immersing me emotionally in the game, I can, you know, uh, those types of things happen. And, and in, in the walking dead, uh, season one, uh, that was definitely something that happened where, where it, it brought me back to those times where I had to make decisions that were, you know, either, both of them were heartbreaking, you know, either way it was, it was something that, you know, you just weren't, weren't necessarily going to always feel a hundred percent, uh, secure about, uh, Akira. Yeah. There's, um, nothing that I can really like draw that's directly to my personal experience but like two game works uh that really helped me to see someone else's experience in a different light and really kind of um gain a, a better understanding uh are both maddie bryce's mainichi as well as uh, anna anthropy's dysphoria and the, mm. both of those really yeah. helped me to uh, uh kind of understand a bit more about like the crazy crazy ridiculousness they have to just go through just for being just for being, right. just for being, they have to like go through that craziness. Yeah. Um, right. Other than that, like the popular culture, maybe because of the title of the the article, it instantly made me think Harry Potter, which I kind <laughs> of read as like a, a, a what what is it? A, a allegory about the uh, Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Like <laughs> superiority of blood right. and and whatnot. Yeah, that's what Voldemort wanted. Right. He wanted pure bloods. Yeah. yeah. Spoiler. Uh, I was gonna Potter. say. <laughs> Oh man, I've never, I've never seen it. Thank you, man. Jeez, that's actually, that's actually, that's actually true. I've never seen it. I, I don't really have much. I mean, you can say NBA Two K Fifteen, my rise to stardom as Leafy Green or UFC. No, um, I would say probably Journey. Maybe because of you know, I, I, I very recently I've been thinking a lot, and I, it's funny because I've played it. I played it again the, the other day. And um, I've been thinking a lot about the past, uh, my grandmother's death. Um, and that has been something that's been weighing on my brain fairly often now because it's like there are so many cool things that are happening to myself and my family and, and we, she's not here to see it. Um, so there's a lot of, t- lot of, lot of uh, themes of death and, and re- reconnection and uh, loneliness and being, and being alone, but also having the hope of, of of finding people who kind of understand you through multiple multiple ways um so so there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of stuff in that game and kind of why it speaks to me often why i kind of love it so much is it does all that stuff so yeah i would say that that, that's probably the game that i would put in that category for me Hmm. um uh, there was one other one other aspect of that story that i kind of wanted to, to to jump into before we go into the next topic was I kind of loved the fact that she talked about the the lack of identity in both her father's experience and the the gentleman who was in the story and her own kind of uh, lack of identity that, you know, people having not having their real names or not having their or their, you know, having their names taken away from them and having their kind of identity taken away from them. I just wanted to give Gita a big shout out for that because it was a really, really dope piece. Um, and I feel that often. So, so thank you so much uh, for writing that. 
Um, you had a, a dope piece that you also threw in there about Splatoon. If you want to want to dig into yeah, that, yeah. So I've been pretty much obsessed with Splatoon. Um, it's a really really great um, game, and one thing that they've also been great at doing, um, which you know, like like Nintendo is not typically known for, is really extensive DLC, like free DLC support. Um, and August fifth. Um, they released, I guess, their first piece of major DLC, I guess, where they, like, you know, more than doubled, like, the level cap. They added a whole bunch of weapons and gear. Um, and they added, like, you know, like, um, private matchmaking and, like, all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think it's pretty interesting to see. I feel like, you know, um, that Nintendo's strategy, if they're going to remain a company that you know is really you know not going to have that third party support but is really going to you know really have to depend on their franchises to um be profitable um that they you know really start supporting them beyond the um initial life now like nintendo games typically do have you know long tails and they don't go down in price because people like to enjoy them but they haven't really gotten on the dlc bandwagon um and the dlc that they've like released for you know not only splatoon but for mario kart 8 and for smash brothers has been pretty phenomenal um now the mario kart 8 and this and, and like the smash brothers have costed money um the fact that the splatoon stuff is like free i think is a couple of things number one um i think that when they launched the game you know they had some functionality that they wanted to put in there, but I think that they really wanted to get the game out and then put the stuff in later. So I think that that's like part of it. I think the other part is that like they realize that this is a new franchise and they want to do everything to incentivize people to get this um, instead of kind of only buying like the typical, you know, like the Mario and Zelda's and sort of the major like Nintendo products um so i played through a lot of the uh dlc um and it's really good you know um i just continue to be amazed that you know that nintendo in 2015 has made like a multiplayer online shooter that does not have chat in it but you still feel like you're coordinating as a team and creating objectives and you're having fun. And it's also a game that you can play with kids. Like, like it's sort of like mm. all these things that you just don't think of when you think of not only like Nintendo, but you think of like multiplayer online games. Like you just oh don't think of that. So I think that, you know, that, you know, it's a pretty big achievement i mean the numbers have been great especially like considering you know that there's not a lot of like we use out there like the sales numbers and the attachments have been really really strong um and i really hope that you know not only do they continue with this franchise but that they continue with this um mentality of dlc support because i don't think third parties are coming back unless like for some reason that Nintendo actually makes a, a console that is sort of like the technological equivalent in terms of not only power but sort of the programming right so that it doesn't have like their own like pro like proprietary kind of programming that it 
goes on more of like the x86 base that both microsoft and sony has and i don't see that happening maybe they'll surprise us but i doubt it so i think that you know that they're kind of sowing the seeds for you know if we want to stay in the gaming industry and like we want to make money after losing a ton on the wii u you know we have to support our our uh our uh stuff and you know i i i think that you know it's it's like good to see them evolving with the times with like everything from this dlc stuff to sort of amiibo and, and the dina deal and like sort of like diversifying where they're getting their money from so so i think that you know yeah. this is this is this is another way that they're you know keeping their head above water mm-hmm. so so we're running making their way as they can hold on one second before we before we move on to the next uh topic i just want to say um i think reef uh, you missed a third step in there a, a third reason for, for splatoon and the dlc is because the dlc is on the disc so they released the game with a bunch of stuff that was on the disc that they planned to release over time. Um, and maybe they were tweaking it and doing stuff, some stuff so that they, you know, they would send out additional code that would uh, unlock both unlock those features and maybe optimize them. But, but most of that stuff is already on the disc and they're just unlocking the gates. Yeah, I think that that was true for some of the earlier maps and stuff. That is not true from what I know of the major DLC that they released on the 5th because I had to download quite a bit. Just but um yeah, yeah, um okay. yeah, I do think that with a bunch of the original stuff that that like they are and like there is like some speculation whether all of it is like on there or not and I don't know. I'm. I don't really have that. I, I'm not as anti on the disc stuff as some people are, especially if it's free. Um, right. You know. Uh, so even if it turns out that it is on the disc, like you know, I wasn't. I haven't been as fervently against that for other games, so I kind of feel like the same way as this, but. If they wanted to be devious, they could still be charging for it, you know. Um, so, but yeah, but, right, right. but um, so, th- right. thanks for bringing the, that point up, though, because yeah, that that is something that's been like a controversy with the with the content updates. Right. So we're, so we're running a little bit long, um, and it's, I kind of want to get to our last story that is not uh, something that you will find on the disc. It is, and the internet is on the website of microsoft it's windows 10 <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. it took you you went all the way around the fucking corner for that one it would have been better if you didn't freaking point it out god damn <laughs> freaking segue murderer jeez yes god so so yeah uh windows 10 is out in the world it is now out in the wild you can get it you can get all the cool things that come along with it. I do not have a copy of it. I'm still waiting to see when it's going to be kind of solidified up uh, so I can finally boot camp it and see if I can get all those wonderful, magical Xbox One to to, to, to Windows 10 features. Um, Cicero has probably nothing to say because he runs God knows what. Uh, uh, I've got plenty to say, you right. I don't bastard. even know. You don't even run computers. You, he's right. right. <laughs> he's, he's trying to run Windows on a TRS-80. I don't even know how that works. Right, yeah. Um, right. 
I got the tape driving. Basically. Um, <laughs> I got it on tapes. Um, but, but, but from what it says on our docket, it says Windows 10 is the best gaming upgrade yet. So I know, Reef, you put this on the docket. I want to I hear your thoughts on it because I know you've been running it. Yeah, so I've been running Windows for a while. And I, I, I specifically remember with gaming updating, you know, from 3.1 to 95, from, from – like 95, 98, 98 to XP. I didn't do any of the ME or any of that stuff. Um, Cause you're a poser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I, no, I good also job. Good get job. the Vista as well. Um, but I remember about four yes. four generations of upgrades, and each time it was horrible for PC gaming. Several games didn't work, <laughs> mm-hmm. and they let you know, like, yo, this ain't gonna work. You know. It took months, sometimes years, <laughs> for like drivers to uh, come out. Even the games that did work, you know, um, they usually had like a drop in like a performance. So Microsoft does not have a great track record when it comes to gaming. I mean, uh, well, well, when when it when it comes to like gaming in terms of these upgrades, right? I mean, so I was not looking forward to this Windows 10 update, even though it's free. Um, I was like, man, they're probably going to screw this up again because, you know, I had the same thing going from seven to eight where like I had several games that, you know, um, kind of bombed out and imagine my surprise when not only did everything work, but I actually got some performance boosts in some of the more demanding games that I play, which is, you know, uh, which is like the Witcher three and Arkham Knight are probably two of the more demanding games that I own, um, and they actually play a little smoother. Um, so I think part of it is that Microsoft really worked with the card manufacturer. So like NVIDIA pretty much had a Windows 10 driver available the day that the OS came out, um, and that they actually kept the code base relatively similar to 8, so it wasn't like a complete re- like a complete kind of rewrite and layering all this crap on with all this like legacy stuff like the like so yeah i I just had a great experience now i don't have like an xbox one so i haven't like been able to test out um you know like the integration with the xbox one in terms of the streaming but one thing that i did test out was they have an os based game dvr so so they're basically bringing that functionality that they have on the consoles over to the pc where you know if you use voice control i believe you can do the whole like record that thing even um but even if you don't have that you can use the keyboard shortcuts to like either record for a set amount of time or to record the last 30 seconds i think it's cool um i prefer the nvidia solution called uh shadow play because i run a like nvidia card and and you know i found that it's less intensive on the gpu because like nvidia has it actually baked into their card as opposed to it coming out of like windows but yeah i mean all in all i think that if you're a pc gamer go ahead and and update you really shouldn't have to worry about um any ink any inconsistencies i haven't seen any on a lot of the uh major forums that i go to um and yeah i mean windows 10 microsoft has finally got it right when it comes to in place 
upgrades and not screwing up all the things that you already have. So I was pretty impressed. Nice. See, see can you give us some yeah. of your impressions? Kind of keep it a little bit brief. We're kind of keeping tight on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I am, I'm waiting to receive my invitation to download Windows 10. I should have it by the time this show airs so i will have tested it out um but i'm i'm prepped and ready to go on on my windows pc on my laptop my windows laptop and so um i'm really really excited to see what uh windows 10 and xbox one can do when they play together um akira do you have any any thoughts on windows 10 I am the slowest Windows upgrader <laughs> ever. If they hadn't dropped support, I would still be using XP. So I think I'm on 7 right now. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I kind of hated them for a while when they did that Vista. Yeah. Crap. yeah. Hated yeah. it. That was bad news. Right, rightfully yeah. so. I think, I think everyone wanted to, to, to run up on their gates with pitchforks yeah. on that one. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not a big fan of the, the panels either. So. Hmm. Yeah. Eight, 8 is garbage. Ten, 10 is supposed to be really, really yeah. good. Yeah. So, um, I guess to a certain extent, you know, like Windows, we're going to upgrade ourselves to uh, our our given body <laughs> here. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit that upgrade button until 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 there's oh no gosh. more show. Uh, that was that was um, painful. Yes. Was it? <laughs> I thought that that was magnificent. That was incredibly painful. I I I will hold that 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 segue to my heart. Oh my god! Um, yeah. So so I want to say you know Akira, thank you so much for for being with us today uh, on this on this show. Um, I want to say really quickly, I think that you are are making some of the most important stuff that I've played in a long time. That that that. The games that, that you that you have coming out and the ones that you're kind of displaying both in, in physical space and in digital spaces are some of the most interesting stuff that I was hoping for um, when when I started to kind of cover games like this. And, and I'm happy that you're in the space and that you are finding like-minded people who are willing to to to, to, to push you and, and and you push them to making games that actually make us think and make us really. Um, talk and 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 ponder why we're here you know like the 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 stuff that you're making is stuff that is is hopefully and i can say for myself making the space better so again on behalf of myself and swan on me and the rest of the crew i want to say thank you uh for doing what you do well, well thank you very much and you know hopefully if your listeners want to check it out they can go to uh, rainb.ro and check out some more of my stuff or if they want to know more about glitch city they can go to uh glitchcityla.org Nice, nice. Uh, while you're at it, while you're at it, why don't you tell them where they can find you on the social media? Oh yeah, spaces. I'm I'm all over the place. No, I'm on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me at Akira <laughs> underscore T. Nice. But that you can also find that yeah. link on my uh, on rainbee.ro. So let's see. Uh, if anyone wanted to share some other thoughts, if not, uh, nope, we'll... we're good. No man. Dope. So see, you want to share the social media business, please. Sure. Uh, social media businesses as follows. First and foremost, uh, remember to uh, go to GamingLooksGood.com and see all of the videos for Gaming Looks Good from our Minister of No Finance, Sharif Jackson. Go to ScienceLooksGoods.com to check out all the wonderful science blog thingies that he's doing. Um, today, Tuesday, 
when you're downloading us, make sure you download Operation Cubicle, his uh, weekly podcast with J.P. Fairfield, where they talk about the geeky and uh, the geeky side and the corporate side of one topic every week and feature uh, dope hip hop. Uh, so check all that stuff out and check everything that Sharif is doing on all social media uh, sites at Sharif Jackson. And uh, for us, you can follow Khalif and myself on Twitter at Kajakins and Stubby Stan, respectively. Uh, you can find the show on all social media networks by looking for Spawn on Me. Uh, and you can check out our network home, esn.fm slash Spawn on Me. Or go to our site directly, spawnon.me. If you want to contact us, just hit the contact page right there. Um, and when you're finding the show, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and any place that you listen to podcasts. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe, and tell all your friends. Uh, tell all the white people in, in rural America. Tell everybody. Come check out the show. You just talked about my Um, transition. That was terrible, too. (laughs) Yeah, hey, you know. Listen, you're just trying to hate. I am. I am. I am. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I I would be remiss if I didn't also thank, um, and I'm glad we we did this before uh, we jumped out, Um, the the woman who inspired uh, Akira's game uh, from, from the way it's told in the article, I, I, I don't want to mispronounce her name. Does does anyone know how to pronounce her name correctly? I I, I don't. Uh, I, I don't. My, I, I my don't. guess, at the risk of perhaps uh, mispronouncing it, uh, I I thought it was Uleoma Iejima. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I, will, I will try not to butcher it as well, and I will leave that as... <laughs> I mean, I will, apologies, sincerest apologies. Yeah, and, I, and I'll, reach, I'll reach out and ask specifically how, how to pronounce it, but uh, I want to give a huge shout-out to, to her for, for helping to inspire you to make and maybe they won't kill you. Uh, so everyone go out and check it out and go play it. Um, and uh, if you like what we do and you like uh, all the cool people that we have on our show and like to hear more stories like this, please support us at our Patreon, patreon.com slash spawn on me. And uh, this has been episode 73. Again, thank you, Akira, for being with us. You are super dope. Yes. Um, Reef, thank you so much for being here and rocking with no us doubt. as usual. Cicero, I love you, brother. Uh, and we will say peace. Peace. Hey.